Welcome to Flex Weather. This is Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. We're back. Like I said, the show is back. We don't have another game to discuss, though. For the second week in a row, no game to talk about. We have the the trappings of leading into a game to discuss, and then the aftermath of that was not a soccer game, which is not a lot of fun, but it has to be discussed, and we're going to get into that. And I say we because it's not just me. My guest today is going to be Steph Young from The Athletic. Uh, You know her as Thrace on Twitter. And we're going to have a nice long discussion about a lot of things that are not all that nice or good because the the Spirits game against Portland being postponed due to a COVID outbreak is not the only thing that happened this week. The team also named Ben Olsen as a new club president. We are going to talk about both of those things as well as sort of just sort of decompress the, the all the news that's happened. We've got a lot to still work out because as you listened to the last episode, I think the longest episode that this ep- podcast has ever had, it was long because of everything that needed to be talked about. Um, and we're still working. I'm sure we're all working it out and thinking of new angles to look at this thing because it's not a lot. It's not a lot of good news. I wish it were. I wish that the, uh, the time would be right for a fun and goofy show, but it's not yet. Um, and so we have to dig in on uh, some of these pretty serious issues facing the spirit away from the field. This is Jason interrupting my own intro uh, because after I recorded it, before I put the show out, got some news from the team specifically addressing the issue of what went on in Portland or more accurately what happened afterwards. It's good news. So that's nice. It's nice to have some positive news to present. According to the folks I've talked to, the Spirit are all back from Portland. Everyone that was in the traveling party is back. There have been, up until the moment I'm saying this at least, no additional positives. Really hope that that stays uh, an accurate statement, that we don't get any more. We don't hear and no one else gets uh, COVID. But yes, everyone's back. If you've been following players on Instagram, you probably noticed some of the players are out and about in D.C., which is a good sign. It means that they're cleared from quarantine by the league protocols, etc. So a small piece of good news. Just wanted to bring it up because the whole thing, this whole discussion that's about to start with Steph does sort of talk about that. But it was before we really had very much information. I think Wednesday uh, evening when we talked is when is is just before things started to open up as far as the team discussing this specific uh, sort of thing. So good news on that front that the the game itself, uh, I think during the episode we talk about how we're not even 100% sure whether the game will happen. The game, by all accounts, is going to happen. COVID does not sound like it's going to be uh, interfering with the scheduled kickoff or anything like that. So just wanted to say that everyone came back, no additional positives. So the four positives that get mentioned in the episode, those are the only ones as of right now. Friday uh, at four. So very shortly before this was released to the world. So just wanted to add that. And now that I have added that, I will move directly into the full chat with Steph. And for the second time, I had to go back and look up what the at which episode it was the first time she was on the show. Steph Young of The Athletic joins me. Welcome back to the show, Steph. Hello, Jason. Was I with The Athletic back then when I first no. came on? No, yeah. No, uh, the job title has changed. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, I want to say like episode six. I looked this up and I've forgotten already. So that's, you know, that's where my head is at. It did happen though. I I, I confirmed it. It just, if you go to the, the site page, the, the site page, the podcast site, you can find the old one. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that relevant to what we have to talk about today because mm-hmm. I had wanted to do a podcast about a soccer game uh, <laughs> after last week, not doing a podcast about a soccer game, but instead stuff about soccer, but not actually about soccer at all. And yet uh, this is kind of uh, the same in a way because the spirit didn't play last week. Um, as everyone knows, the game was scheduled. They got to Portland and then was postponed because of a COVID outbreak. Um Steph, I I guess I kind of want to start with like kind of like a, a we're almost like comparing notes a little because we, we don't <laughs> have there's there's a lot of speculation, but not a lot of like 
this is what the league is going to do. This is what the teams are thinking. Right. What, I, I guess I, I am kind of putting the pressure on you, but I'll, I'll let you go first. What, where are we at on this in general? Um, it seems like there are spirit players still quarantining in Portland. Like if you go on their social media, like Trinity Rodman did a whole thing on TikTok where she's just mm-hmm. walking on the TV stand back and forth, I think doing some kind of Rick and Morty scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, that's going well <laughs> for them. I think Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet were stuck together or maybe yeah, they- not stuck is the word they would use. They seem to be having a fine time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they had and then, a post that said something about like forty-one hours together, and that was like before the announcement, right? Um, and some of them had came back to the Washington area because I assume they tested yeah. negative. Um, mm-hmm. And Seattle, I think, traveled as well Already, on the yeah. basis that okay, we're gonna we're scheduled to go, so we'll go, but we don't know if we're actually gonna play. Laura Harvey gave an interview after her last game, like, well, we're going to DC tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Right. We we need some directions from the league, but we don't know if we've gotten them yet. The league may very well have given them those directions already, but as we know, like the delay between the league doing something and then them telling us that they're doing something, there's often like a, just a a real big pause. Mm -hmm. You know, the anticipation. I will say I will congratulate at least Jess Fishlock, who came over to the DMV and immediately found that they have Nando's here, um, which is a huge uh, UK thing. And so she was super excited. So congrats to her. Um, at least some some good might come out of this if there's no game, which I can't. I mean, it's we're recording this on Wednesday and I have I have certainly heard nothing either way, um, trying to keep track of like you mentioned, there are some spirit players that appear to be back here um i i want to say uh both japanese internationals uh, sydney speckmeyer devin kerr um i think i'm leaving somebody off my list of like people who've clearly posted from home um mm-hmm. but that's it and it's it's an unknown like how many players are actually still back in portland um how many players are back here but maybe like tested negative well uh, like often enough to leave portland but then you know this is a a disease with a several day incubation period um this is part of the problem uh from what from what i was told uh the spirit tested uh, that they followed the testing stuff to get on the plane to portland um and so everyone that flew out there was in the clear as far as the league protocols go they got there last thursday night they trained friday as planned and then this is where things start to get diffuse because, uh, you know, I've seen, you know, some speculation about how, you know, the, the number of even uh, unvaccinated players, which um, I was surprised at how high it was. I've actually heard, I, I think most people have heard eight. I've had one person tell me nine. Um, so I'm not even sure exactly what that number is. Um, but yeah, the, they, they, got out there, they trained, everything was going according to plan. Um, Somewhere there was a positive test at that point after training, uh, which is when players, I was told, were uh, called back in to, you know, some of the players after training were like, let me go to the Nike store. Um, One of the, you know, notorious Portland things to do when you go out (laughs) to Portland, Um, you hit the Nike store or the, if you're an Adidas player, you hit the Adidas store. They, this happens with every team that goes out there. Um, but players are being told, like, you got to come back. We have to retest everybody um, because of somewhere in the close contact ranks. And teams are team. We tend to think of teams as smaller than they actually are. There are a lot of like, you know, random people at training where you're like, I'm not even sure who that is. And it's like, oh, we had to bring in, you know, a guest player to get to 11 v 11 or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so that's one of the unknowns somewhere somewhere in the spirits orbit. Uh, there was a positive that may or may not have even been someone in Portland at the time, but they were like, well, we have to retest everyone. That's when they started getting the positives um, that ended up causing this game to be postponed. I know from the Thorn side, uh, Merritt Paulson said that this was supposed to be like uh, maybe the biggest crowd of the year. It's Labor Day weekend or yeah, yeah, it was Labor Day weekend. Um, 
I can't I can't keep track of time anymore. I'm like, was it was it or was this like it, it was Labor Day weekend yeah. and they'd already like they'd gone through several iterations of COVID protocol with like mm-hmm. proof of vaccination or negative tests. So fans knew what the deal was. I think people, everybody who felt comfortable going to a game by now was gonna go to a game like they had some right. time to be like am i or am i not and i'm you know they saw what the procedure was and they're like okay um and yeah and then it's just a sad little empty providence park all the thorns fans i'm friends with were just posting <laughs> pictures from outside the stadium and being like not today and then going to eat or drink their feelings right however you cope um and and at first i think they both i think the thorns at first were tweeting like we'll have to reschedule but now I'm not so sure that that's actually what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if they end up not rescheduling the game, do you think it's fair to officially list this as a forfeit from the spirit? And then we also need to talk about the lost gate. Right. Because like they said, it would have been a huge Labor Day crowd for COVID times anyway. Mm-hmm. They were probably, you know, well above 10,000, I would bet. Yeah. Um. So, you know, who pays that? Like, if and if the spirit pay it, does that just hit everybody in the league? Because everybody's like, with, with I, I don't know. Yeah, and this is one of the things that the league was not clear on in their, their protocols. We don't know, that we should have answers to these questions that should have been within, I feel like, in the protocols, it should have been like, if it's found that a team's, you know, COVID outbreak is due to a lack of responsibility, um, on the organization or players' parts, then they are going to be held liable for, you know, the stadium, you know, not being full. That the ticket losses, the revenue losses at game day, which, as we know from last year, are that's like the whole business for the NWSL. It's not everything, but it's most of it. Um, so yeah, I I feel like that's one of the more difficult questions because, you know, the spirit are definitely not doing all that well financially is the the vibe I get. They lost a lot of revenue they plan on having last year. The games at Audi Field have not been as well attended as past Audi Field games, even in 2018 or, or, or yeah, 2018, that first game when the, the Spirit were the team that couldn't score a goal, they still got about 8,000 people to that game. And that, that hasn't happened um, this year in part because people are still hesitant to be at things. Um, among other things, I'm, I'm also curious to know marketing wise what they've been able to do to advertise those games but all of that adds up to um a team that is not really maybe not in the best position to take uh you know take it on the chin and pay out the the lost revenue for portland but if you're portland you're like okay but i'm still out of this money that i was going to get um and that our players all met the standards that we had to meet we were ready to go um and we also don't know competitively. Um, and this could be a huge decision for the playoff race. Uh, the league is still, Portland's probably going to be okay whether they get the points or not. I feel like they're going to finish first by more than three. Um, but every almost every other team in the league is impacted by, does the Spirit get a chance to have a shot at those three points? Or do they just end up with a zero um, and, and you know one game played? Or, or are we even talking about a... Um, a situation where they get punished by like points being taken off um, because that's a thing that happens elsewhere in the world. So, you know, if, if a team has violated rules in some kind of way, you can have points docked from your, your total. Um, all of this is an unknown because the league's protocols are just like, well, you know, we focused on some stuff, but we didn't take care of some of these other things. And that's uh, it's, it's aggravating. I feel like we should already know the answers to these questions to some degree. And uh, I feel like the league should be in a position where it's like, we're going to investigate. And if we figure out that the spirit had an outbreak through bad luck, um, then so be it. But if it's an outbreak because people were like doing a Weston McKinney, then (laughs) we have to kind of, you know, we have to do something about that. Right. Um, And yeah, I, I feel like the thorns, the the financial argument for the thorns, I I can't think of a reason why they don't deserve some sort of compensation because they've been denied something that through no fault of their own, um, they're pretty notoriously good at like getting people in the stadium and getting revenue out of them when they come in. Uh, Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it puts the spirit in a tough spot, but it's also like, what else can be done? 
Right. I, the only upside here that I see is that of all the teams where if you need to reschedule last minute, Portland mm-hmm. may be the one that is most flexibly able to do so, as we saw with the championship. Right. Where not to bring that discourse in, <laughs> but Portland is a team that has much more control over their stadium as like mm-hmm. the primary tenants and an owner that is willing to shell out money maybe at the last minute to staff up a game between mm-hmm. staff and security. Which is another aspect of this, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the Thorns had paid, like, that money, I assume, already gets paid. Uh, this game wasn't canceled until day of. So those right. people were told, like, at, as of Saturday night, we're like, yeah, you're you're still on for tomorrow. Um, so Right, that's through no fault aspect. of your own, if the game yeah. falls through, then it's not fair to not pay everybody who is scheduled to work. Mm-hmm. So I can see it actually being as, as much as you know, people, if you're not a spirit fan, might want to be like, you got to um, take punitive measures here to be as an incentive to either not fuck up or can I swear? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> to not, you know, mess up here or as an incentive to get vaccinated to prevent, you know, the likelihood of a situation like this, it might actually be the best solution to have them replay the game and figure out some other kind of like if it turns out that the a spirit player or staffer was actually negligent mm-hmm. and and this wasn't just bad luck through contact tracing. Although, <clears throat> well, let me finish my original thought. It might be best to just reschedule the game because you're at Portland and Portland is one of the few places that's flexible enough to handle a last minute reschedule and try to jam it in somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part being like with the contact tracing, though. Who who knows if NWSL will ever be able to definitively say, yeah, it was negligence or yeah, it was bad luck, because it right. really seems like, <clears throat> once again, social media, the snitch, like you can okay. see the players were often in enclosed spaces, unmasked together a lot everywhere, and like whether it's private residences or they're in the locker room. And so, you know, unless they can definitively pin it down to, yeah, this one person went to a bar within the correct timeline, and then they came mm. into the locker room, which maybe they will be able to. But, you know, it, we, we we also don't know what contact tracing is happening and if right, anybody will ever tell us. It, it seems maybe, if I might say this, it seems maybe beyond the league capabilities uh, to find things out to that degree. Um, maybe if they bring in somebody who who is an outside organization who specializes in that, um, but if you ask me whether the NWSL can figure this one out, uh, to that degree, <laughs> I do not think they, they can do it without assistance. It's just, the league is not staffed up enough, uh, as is much less to do this as well. A thing that none of, none of these people hired for this soccer league, uh, know how to do contact tracing. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I think maybe that's a good point though, that, um, you know, looking at the schedule for both the spirit and the thorns, they do have the the good news is that there are gaps in the schedule that both teams have. Um, there is this upcoming after this weekend, they both have a weekend off. And then right before you, you played the 23rd game of the season. And right before that um, final weekend, uh, Halloween, um, both teams have a weekend off before that. The downside is that both of those are the international window. That's why those um, those windows are there. And so the league could play games without having so many players gone um, for Portland and for Washington. You know, this, especially with the, the U.S. possibly, you know, yes, the these call-ups for the U.S. are going to be very heavily the Olympic squad. Um, that's kind of baked into everything. But, you know, players might have injuries or might need rest or whatever. Um, it's realistic to say, like, could Trinity Rodman or Ashley Sanchez get called in? Um, for some of these games. And then that, so then the spirits list of internationals, when you look at like everyone that could possibly theoretically get called in somewhere, it gets to be like a dozen. Um, And then you're back to, well, that's not even enough. Like they don't have enough players at that point to, um, I know I saw people bring up the North Carolina, Kansas city game where the courage had 14 players and no backup goalkeeper. Um, If you call, if, if the spirit happened to get a dozen players called up, and you throw in two players on season-ending injuries, um, Jordan DiBiase, it's unclear at this point whether she's going to play this season uh, or not. Um, so that's three. So now you're at 15 players unavailable for a roster of 28. So you're actually lower than that 
you're, you're at 13 at best if everyone's healthy. Um, so yeah, the, you know, there are windows schedule wise, but are they viable? And I'm sure the thorns are also like, hold on. Like we, now we have to play this game without all of our many, many internationals. Um, so there's no good, I, I guess there is no good solution here. Um, like nothing, nothing good is going like the outcome of this is still going to leave somebody being like, well, this sucks. Um, this did not turn out well. Um, and yeah, I, I am surprised. I will say I'm surprised that this hasn't happened somewhere in the league at some point. Um, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, the spirit did have, I, I think people have seen the the photo of players having, there's some sort of party with wigs. Um, it's unclear what was even happening, but they were together at something. Um, but that's not like the only team that's done something like that. Um, if you look around social media on the league, plenty of teams have had various gatherings at this and that players are out at things in, you know, some States, I, I will say if I'm going to be at an unmasked at a gathering, I would rather be here than in certain other parts of the league. Um, there are other States where I'd be more nervous about it. Um, but those things haven't come back to, to bite everyone. Uh, this is the one where it actually, you know, whether that's the, the thing that caused the outbreak or not, um, this is the team that got the, you know, they spun the, ever we spin the wheel and it came up spirit this time. Um, it seems to be coming up spirit a lot. Um, <laughs> lately. I, I mean, maybe it came up spirit though, because all things being equal, then it's a, a one out of 10 chance, right? That it, it hits mm. the spirit. But then we just mentioned, there's been reporting that eight, maybe as many as nine players are unvaccinated. And this kind of, goes contrary to the mm-hmm. league's own statements about how many of the players are vaccinated. Didn't they say it was like 85% or something? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But then first of all, that assumes that 85% is spread equally on every team. So every team is 85% vaxxed, right. As opposed to one team 50 versus another team 100. Right. And the other being, this is pure speculation. I am not reporting it that teams have been honest about who is and isn't vaccinated because as we can see there's huge incentives for lying and playing anyway and at the moment there's no disincentive for that yeah there's Um, no rule that's like oh if you're not vaccinated and you're found to be you know the cause of a game getting canceled well you get this and this and this penalty it's just like (laughs) we'll figure it out when we get to there yeah Um, it's okay and we're there um, we got, we got there. Uh, now we have to figure it out, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, you're, you're right. You know, um, the, the 85% figure got around a lot and the spirit, if it's eight or nine, we're talking like two thirds. So, you know, roughly two thirds of the roster would be vaccinated at eight, at eight or nine. It's, it's in the neighborhood of two thirds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would definitely mean that you have, you probably have to have a couple of teams like either a couple of teams up at like 100 or almost everyone is at like 90 to 95 uh to to eat that you know one team sinking the numbers so much um it also you know it does make me wonder whether the league is maybe counting vaccinated as like a player who had contracted covid at some point last year and is under the assumption that this extends into the future as as just as good um, because that's another thing that's not, if, if my reading of the protocols was, was accurate, that's another thing that's not 100% clear, um, whether having contracted it in the past counts the same. Um, and can you, would you call that vaccinated or would you call that something else? Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's doesn't, the, the circumstantial evidence doesn't look good, uh, for the spirit is, I guess the most charitable way I could put it. Um, which kind of goes in the face. I I've been told off the record a few times that players were, be- you know, p- everyone at the organization seemed pleased with how the squad was handling COVID. Um, no one, it, I was told no one was really chafing about the regulations, the, the mask requirements, stuff like that. Um, I, I think the loudest complaint I ever heard about any of it was just, um, you know, I, I think Richie Burke said that wearing a mask was uncomfortable, which it is. But also he was wearing it at the time. So, you know, he's doing the thing. Um, And that's like the biggest complaint I heard about uh, from anyone. So I was surprised to hear that it was that high of a number. I guess I shouldn't be given, you know, 
this is the, the country we live in. We, we see the news every day. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I can only imagine how also it has to feel in the locker room with players who are like, you know, I got my shot. Uh, I've been like sitting at home. Um, I've been wearing a mask everywhere, blah, blah, blah. I'm, do, I'm doing all the things and like, we're kind of all in this together. And if you're not doing the things that I'm doing, it's kind of like you not doing the fitness drills uh, to the same intensity or not paying attention in during, you know, tape sessions or not running down a, a ball that everyone else in the team would have run down. Um, I can't, I, I'm just speculating as to how that had to hit the team, but I, I can't imagine having played on teams in the past at a much less serious level. I would have taken it badly. Um, and that's not my livelihood. Um, so I can only imagine how it had to hit for the players that are like, you did what now? Um, so I, I don't know how they're doing. Uh, this is another, I mentioned this with, um, in the last episode that this is another thing we don't really have right now is this is kind of beside the point, but, um, not a lot of chances to speak with the spirit, uh, players or coaches mm -hmm. lately. Um, the coaching staff cut in half, uh, and very quickly cut in half and, um, yeah, so I don't have a, a lot of insight on how they are uh, handling this latest thing, which came on top of a bunch of other stuff. Um, well, which... what, what you were saying about the team and like not being able to imagine the vaccinated players, like how they felt like I did my part. I did everything right. And now mm -hmm. I'm being penalized through no fault of my own. Mm -hmm. um, so at The Athletic, we did get to talk to Ben Olsen, and I'm sure he's going to be talking to a lot more outlets because... <laughs> Everybody is going to be requesting him because he's, you know, a new president at Washington Spirit. But, you know, he was asked directly, do you think everybody on the team should be vaccinated? And mm. his answer was basically like, all we can do is give them the information. We can just make everybody informed and then they have to make their own choice. And it reminds me of what some healthcare professionals have advised where they're asked, like, my family member won't get the vaccine. What can I do to convince them? And they're saying, well, we're seeing what actually works is coming from a care approach, which mm -hmm. is like if you hector someone or you guilt them, you're like, how dare you? Or like, you moron, idiot, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work because right. then people get defensive. They double down. They're like, you're judging me. What? really tends to work if it's going to work at all is being like, Hey, I care about you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to see you like be as healthy as possible. And, you know, this is really affecting our relationship. Like when you don't get the vaccine, it makes me feel, you know, and then you use your little feelings, words, nonviolent mm -hmm. communication, that sort of thing. So I'm just wondering how it was presented to the players in the locker room, if it was presented at all, was there like just some dashed off email that was like, hey, Moderna, Pfizer or whatever is available. If you get it, mm -hmm. great. If not, practices at 10 tomorrow. Or yeah. is it the Olsen approach where mm -hmm. they like sat everybody down? They're like, look, these are the benefits of getting the vaccine. And these are the costs of not getting it, not just in terms of getting COVID and getting sick and dying, which kind of should be like the only cost you need to list, right? right? But like doing the care approach where like it matters to your teammates, it matters to like your family in the locker room, you know, when you don't do the like, like you know, we would really appreciate that care approach. The, the avenue you pick in communication, particularly in something like sports, we talk about this a lot, the psychology of it, mm. it, it really, really matters. And, and, you know, to your point, I, I wouldn't. I would expect sports people in general, because when you, you know, we speak to coaches and players a lot, they go to sports speak and sports framing for a lot of things. Um, it's, it's really the first, the, the way they see the world comes through that lens, even when they're not thinking about doing so, it's just how it goes. Um, and so framing it as a, like, the team needs you to do this for the team um, would strike me as like the first way the first way that anyone in sports would probably approach this, but there, there is still a difference between you need to do this for the team or like, listen, the team, everyone loves you on the team and we want you to be a part of it. And the, the way that we can be the best as a group is through, you know, having you involved and having you safe, et cetera. Um, there are still different ways to approach that. Um, you could have the, the scolding method and still be within that. It's, it's the team um, uh, mindset. So yeah, I do wonder um, how exactly it was presented. I know that through CVS Help, uh, uh, CVS Health, uh, they're one of the sponsors of the Spirit. That at least one vaccination day was set up where uh, the players were given off training. It was like we're going to have, like, we're going to train, we're going to do our 
uh, post-training meal. And then before you go home, the, we're going to have people here to give you the vaccine. Like all you have to do is walk to them instead of walking to your car um, is what I was. I mean, I've been at one training session all year. This is another, um, you know, closed off thing with the team so far this year. So I can't say for sure. Um, I didn't witness this. I was just told secondhand that this is how it went. Um, and you know, if you, if you bring, if you bring it to that level, if, if that is an accurate portrayal of how it went, if you're bringing it to the players and say, listen, you're already here. We're going to, you're like, we're going to have our food and just like go over there real quick and do this and then go home and tomorrow just chill out. We're not even asking you to, um, fight through this, uh, the, the whatever after effects you have tomorrow, just, you know, hang out at home. Don't do much of anything. Um, you know, it's not, to, that's almost like walking up to their door and being like, here you go. Here's the thing. <laughs> um, it's about as much as you can do. So I, I don't know. Um, I can't speak to the motives of the players that, that didn't, um, I, I hope that maybe this is, this whole thing is maybe like gotten the gears turning for some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry if this offends any listeners, this is, a. um, a show that's in favor of vaccinations. Uh, Well, we saw the Orlando Pride. Yeah, the Orlando Mm -hmm. Pride did something very similar. We had on Instagram, like Marta getting her little shot. And then Julia Mm -hmm. Poe reported in the Orlando Sentinel a couple days ago that the club has said every player on the Pride has been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe that's one of the 100% teams that's dragging up the average. Yeah. Um, And I think, yeah, Orlando uh in particular is probably pretty sensitive to it, given they already got hit with, uh, sorry, you can't play stick because right. maybe got, somebody they, broke protocol. Right. They, they got the, uh, you know, it was a pretty, um, I don't want to say harsh necessarily because I thought it was a, a fair outcome, but it was definitely a thing that will stick with you um, when things go badly for you because of a mistake. Uh, when the consequence is that, like, not just bad, but also public, like everyone knew that why they weren't playing in the challenge cup last year. It wasn't a like, huh, I wonder why they're not there. Like, no, everyone understood why. Um, and that stuck with, uh, I, it seemed like it stuck with a lot of them. Uh, the players talked about being embarrassed and frustrated and all that. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it, it, it does seem like a massively frustrating thing that maybe causes some, some people to rethink. I, I don't know. Um, because, you know, ultimately the players will have to speak to, what their thought process was on that front of things anyway, um, that in a way that I can't possibly figure out for them. I uh, no, I, none of us could, um, but you did, I, I do want to kind of pivot to you mentioning Ben Olson, cause this is the other big spirit news. There's always a lot of spirit news, even though <laughs> there's not a game to t- discuss. Um, so the team very suddenly announced that former DC United coach and player Ben Olson, I think it's 23 years at DC United, um, was named club president. Um, and the reaction, I, I think it's fair to say uh, mixed at best uh, within Spirit fans and within the NWSL. Um, mixed is probably pretty generous, uh, at least for the Twitter uh, aspect of things. Um, but there's a range of factors that I think would come up as to why people had uh, reacted a certain kind of way. Um, The hiring process from all indications appeared to be one person uh, getting asked, Hey, do you want this job? Um, And saying, sure. Um, And this is a club where we're coming off of a coach being fired in part because of a, there wasn't a coaching hiring process. It was just, I'm going to buy the team. And this is the guy that's going to coach when I do that. Um, which isn't a hiring process uh, by anyone's definition. It's just, um, this is the guy uh, and that's, that's that. Um, And this is, you know, that's being done again. Um, And we're also coming off of a popular woman club president was at the club and has just left under a cloud. Uh, We're still not sure what happened there with, with Lindsay Barron's other than that, she very suddenly left. It does not look uh, favorable on ownership as to why, uh, but it's also an unknown. Um, and this is the way her, she was replaced. Um, and you, uh, Meg Linehan and Pablo Maurer at The Athletic, did an interview with with Olsen in which he was uh, upfront about not being an experienced club president, not experienced in the women's soccer space. Um and then the kicker to all of this, going back to the day of the announcement, 
is that Steve Goff from the Washington Post reported that this was a Steve Baldwin move in which Michelle Kang was not even informed, mm -hmm. much less like part of the process, just like she found out maybe even when I don't know when she found out, but she found out pretty much like the rest of us did. Um, so with all that in mind, uh, Steph, how is how is that this specific one hitting you? Uh, how, how is this aspect of the news uh, striking you at this point in time? Um, I think I, I was searching for like, on the one hand, the moment I saw the transcript of Ben Olson's interview in the drafts and we were getting it ready for publication, I was like, individual fans are going to eat him alive. And I felt a little bad because, you know, the public perception is that he was hired to be Steve Baldwin's human shield. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got you know, DC soccer bona fides. He's been in the community. If you're in the DC soccer community, generally, you know who he is and you probably have a positive opinion about him. Um, and I don't think Ben Olsen himself was unaware 100% of the politics going into it. Maybe he wasn't completely aware of right. the actual power struggle that was happening, but he had to have known at some point, right? Your buddy asked you to do this thing, if that is how it happened. At the very least, maybe you want to hit Google and be like, what's the deal here? Mm -hmm. unless they just have that kind of thing where like you know your friend shows up at 2 a.m and it's like don't ask questions i need your help get in the car <laughs> you know that level of friendship right right and it's like what what's that in the trucks don't don't ask questions just we're going out yeah. to the swamp you know but we don't know really what happened with the hiring process just what it looked like and it looked bad mm -hmm. and then i was like but fans should be right they, they're entirely right to eat him alive for the answers that he gave where he's like i don't have a ton of experience in women's soccer space and it's like well you're dude number 531 to say that in the past mm -hmm. 10 years so why should anybody give you the benefit of a doubt dc soccer bona fides aside like you've mm -hmm. said you know a lot about soccer but not a lot about business um you know would probably said yeah he said like yeah i watched the last three games and it's like but there's like eight years of games before mm -hmm. that like how many of those have you watched it's uncertain and just yeah i think um him saying like judge me on the next few months yeah that's fair but the judgment is going to be really 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 critical like the eye yeah. of sauron just fixed <laughs> on this poor little hobbit trying to sell more tickets to the spirit or something like that mm -hmm. or, or get the team to perform better is actually more in line with his day-to-day -day duties yeah um yeah, I, like I can have sympathy for sympathy for the guy, but at the same time, be like, "Well, you kind of agreed to take it on." So yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a moment in time where if you if you were coming into the spirit, uh, especially um, when it's known that you're coming in as a Steve Baldwin hire, there's almost no way you're going to be received well um, right now. The fan base is very upset with with Baldwin from many different angles so uh you know regardless of who the hire was it was going to you know that person was going to be walking in with a situation that's not friendly um but then you know as we've just talked about there are a bunch of other wrinkles to this that women's soccer fans are like hold on a second like this we're doing this again um and at the spirit in particular this is not the first time that a big position at the club is being filled by someone that Steve Baldwin knows or that someone, so it's someone that someone knows rather than someone that went through the lengthy interview process that we tend to hope for. I, I wouldn't say expect because this is not the only place in the league where this kind of thing happens. Um, but we would hope for, and that the players and the teams and the fans deserve, um, and it does make it where no matter how good of a success he is, I think he's kind of going to be stuck with this for a very long time, if if not his entire run in this job. Um, I, I will I do want to note one thing that occurred to me um, that's more of a like just a gut reaction is that this is the first person with all these bad things that have happened with the spirit. Um, you know, we've talked to you know, players put their hands up. They say, you know, I wasn't good enough on this play or I made this mistake. Um, but as far as a, from a club level thing, all the things that have gone on this year that people have been upset with, 
Ben Olsen being like, yes, I understand that I'm coming into a situation that is not going all that well and that I people will be people will know I don't have a lot of experience and they're right to know that um, is the first time someone's been like, hey, this is the thing. Like, I'm going to say the thing that we're all thinking. I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to pretend that it's not something else. I'm not going to try and, you know, spin this thing to be the most positive version of events. Like, this is what it is. Um, and that is a thing that Olsen has done in the past with DC United. Um, you know, interviewing him after games was kind of a whole thing where some sometimes he would be clearly tense. Uh, but if if the question was uh, posed fairly, you would get an answer. It might not be from a happy person, but he's going to be like, yes, you know, we played badly. Yes, this was, you know, my my game plan didn't work that level of being able to just say the thing, um, which is refreshing in its way. Uh, I think it is overdue for the spirit to be more upfront in general with a lot of things that have gone on. So maybe that's a positive that could be on the way. Um, and I also, I, you know, I, this is an idea that uh, our friend Caitlin Best uh, pointed out on Twitter, but that I know occurs to me all the time in covering NWSL, which is like, because I'm an ancient man who remembers the earliest days of MLS, I'm like, oh, I know about this. Like, we've done this one before. Um, like, there's a lot of parallels between the weird chaos league that we cover uh, here with the past um, in, in MLS, where the, the weird lack of transparency or even lack of, like, what do we do in this situation? We don't, we don't, we haven't confronted this before. Um, being able to navigate that is, it's an, ex, it's not women's soccer experience, certainly, but it is some kind of experience. Maybe, it, that, maybe it doesn't add up. I don't know, but it is, it feels like it might come in handy at some point. That was one of the parts. And I think you're right to give him a little credit for being like, Hey, I've been through weird chaos league stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the parts where I was like, okay, um, I, I worried like people might take that the wrong way because there is an instinctive bristling when you're, Sure. you know and it was all gets compared to mls um not without reason but at the right, same time fair, like yeah, right reading the words i was like my interpretation is exactly what you said he's like i've dealt with weird young league chaos stuff like chaos happens in a young league and mm -hmm. i lived through it so like going through it again it's okay i've been there so like he's prepared for kind of like the emotional turmoil of just every single day waking up and being like what now <laughs> um just and checking your phone and like, oh, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? The other thing that he did talk about was like, um, I'm not trying to dodge your question, he said, but I at this, this is the point where I need to start doing some listening. And that mm. includes the fans. And he acknowledged that the fans may have certain grievances that they are right to air. That was kind of like my interpretation. I was like, that's also a thing that kind of maybe hasn't super been coming out of the club lately or being like hey fans we understand that you're upset you're right to be upset and we're gonna listen to you instead of just being like pay no attention to the air force general who did kind of like condone war crimey things under the bush administration stuff mm -hmm. no don't worry about it you know <laughs> yeah like um, I, I don't know if ben Olsen, yeah I, he he actually may agree with some of that stuff considering he invested in a in a an investment firm that deals with like you know, the defense and government sectors. But the ultimate point being, he was like, he did mention like, I actually do have to listen to the fans and they're going to have grievances and some of them are going to be legit. And hopefully he will do that. Once again, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, dude, you're going to be judged pretty harshly. They have some mm -hmm. grievances. This is not just like, you know, my, my, the, the hot dogs at, at vending aren't great quality, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, as you said before, like people are going to be focused very sharply on anything that seems like it might be a club president's duty and action. Um, and if it's not like a 100 percent, that like one percent that's missed is going to be like, well, he did miss that because this is the situation he walked into. Um, and, you know, I. I I feel like it's not a, I, I, like I said before, I don't think that there's anyone that could have walked into a process where one owner, like we know that there's an ownership struggle 
and one owner is making hires without even consulting someone that owns 35% of the team. Um, that's bad, but also like, do you take that job at that point? Um, or do you say, hold on a second? Um, because, you know, like you said, maybe he did start reading deeply. Um, it's not, you know, Olson's a DC guy. He's been living in the city forever. It's not like he doesn't read the post. So it's not like he hasn't read um, the reporting on the ownership struggle going on. Um, he, in my experience, is usually pretty inquisitive. Um, so I can't imagine that he took the interview and didn't have some questions about those reports at the very least. Um, but who knows what's being, you know, said in response to that, because currently there isn't really much of a response from the club about that reporting publicly. It's hard to read exactly how people feel other than generally not maybe in favor of those issues being out in the public. Um, and that's about, that's about all, all, all the conclusion that you can definitely draw. Everything else is you have to jump a little bit to, you know, maybe it makes sense, but you, you're still having to reach. Um, but yeah, I'm, I feel like the fans are so far, if anything, um, not as worked up as I might've expected given <laughs> the, given the list of bad circumstances that are surrounding this thing, that it doesn't yes. even matter if you were Ben Olson, you could just be insert other man um, walking into this position. Um, I almost would have expected worse. Um, so maybe the fact that his, his time in DC, there are spirit fans who just like being a DC United legend genuinely does not matter to them whatsoever. It has absolutely yeah. no impact on them. And that's not a criticism. That's just, there are fans who are like that. And I think it's worth acknowledging them as much as it is. There are also fans who are like, yeah, I used to, I was at RFK in like 1996. I, I, um, I, you know, I've been around as long as, as someone like myself, like I said, an ancient MLS old man. Um, and it might matter a lot to them. Um, but I, I, I'm curious to see, I guess what his first step is beyond the press stuff. I know I'm, I'm working on lining up an interview with him. Um, I, I know I'm not the only person, obviously you guys ran your piece already. So there's already one out there. Um, but I, I I'm sure he knows that it's going to be uphill, uh, to say the least uphill, uh, in convincing the fans here as well as the league, because like a club president position in NWSL specifically, maybe more than maybe this is a difference from MLS. I think MLS fans don't really care about club president at insert club elsewhere. But like a rain fan is still going to be like, how is this happening in my league? Like somewhere else. Like, I feel like that's a fair um, thing that, that fans around the league are like, you know, I need these clubs to all be healthy. Right. Let extent. me ask, let me ask you a question because mm -hmm. I think you have a much better perception of Ben Olsen than I do and his, his place in the like overall DC soccer landscape, which is, this is something that you reminded me of where, Okay, he has next to no experience in women's soccer. He, mm -hmm. it looks like he's been brought in because he's friends of an investor, you know, his bona fides aside. But at the same time, because Ben Olsen is so well regarded in DC soccer circles, especially on the men's side as opposed to the women's side, do you think that also makes him the kind of person who can? Okay, he was hired by an investor who's on Steve Baldwin's side. Let's assume that's a scenario. But because of his background and his resume, he can also just be like, sure, you hired me, but I don't have to do what you say. And he can afford to do that without an enormous hit to his reputation or his ability to get further work in the space. Uh, that's that is interesting, because uh, especially when you look at how he came into the coaching side of things, um, the situation, I hate to keep doing MLS and NWSL comparisons. I try to be very sparing with them. Um, but this one I bring up because I think there is a lot of there's a lot of similarity in how he ended up uh, in the post um, when he became DC United's head coach. This was uh, 2010. They'd hired somebody else. The team was absolutely horrible, um, like worst ever team in over a quarter century level bad. Um, so that guy got fired and Olsen had just retired the year before and they were like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, let me, let me be like the lowest level assistant. Um, let me see if this is a thing that I can, you know, be better at, but obviously I'm not the top guy and I'm not 
prepared to be the top guy. It's not, I'm not cut out for it. So I'm getting in at like the low, the, the low rung at, at this thing, like entry level assistant coach kind of deal. Um, and the team very quickly, like they fired the other coach and they're like, everyone's mad at us. What can we do? Um, let's hire the guy that everyone likes and make him the head coach. Um, but also to be frank, uh, DC United at that time was also like flat broke struggling multiple stadium proposals had fallen through. So it was also like, we also maybe can't afford to do anything else. Um, so it was kind of a two, you know, both sides of that coin ended up with him taking over as interim head coach. And he was like, look, I'm not experienced. Uh, I'm not the guy to, to necessarily come in and be able to change this thing overnight. Um, but I'm going to give it everything I have. And if it works out great. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think he's kind of wired in that way where it's like, I, I might not be very good at this, but I'm going to try my best and hopefully figure some things out on the way. Um, and he did learn quickly. Um, he went from that offseason, DC United's ownership at the time said, like, they de- definitively said they were not going to hire him as the full-time head coach because of how inexperienced he was. And then they found out, like, what an experienced coach wants as a salary and an infrastructure and all that. And we're like, well, maybe we have to reconsider this position. Um, and he also, uh, to his credit, ended up, I think I think it was four years later, was coach of the year in 2014. Um, so he does learn quickly. Um, but yeah, he is willing to and has already stepped into a DC soccer club that is at like arguably their worst, their lowest point in, in some ways. Uh, he has stepped into a job where he's like, I'm going to give it my all. I realize I'm not like the experienced option that people wanted, um, but I am going to try my best. Uh, I don't know to answer the question, though. I don't know if that leads to him saying I have the the cachet to, you know, go against ownership uh, on certain things or push back on things. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's how he's going to go because I know at DC United, there were times where he pushed for the club to do more, but it was always within the framework of understanding that at a lot of that time until Audi field came around, this was a, he was working at a team that was like, if we don't get a stadium settled soon, this team might no longer exist. Um, so there is a certain amount of like, I need to push as hard as I can on this, but also I see that there is a line and I understand the line and I'm probably not going to push past it because, you know, there are things at play here that are bigger than this soccer need that we have this, you know, we need this training ground equipment or whatever. Um, so yeah, that part is not clear whether he's going to feel comfortable and willing to, you know, maybe push back against uh, ownership when they are making mistakes. That that is an that's an unclear thing to me. Um, I know he won't. He's not going to step out of line publicly. I'll say that um, he is going to ultimately, you know, it's it's kind of that same mentality of like the team first midfielder who will like, you know, make these extra sprints back that are unpleasant to to block a shot or whatever. Um, it kind of leads to like I'm going to give whatever I have to for the group. And maybe inside internally, I might be critical, but like outside, I'm never going to be critical because we have to stick together. Um, that is my read on how he would approach that. But, you know, mm-hmm. there's also a whole ownership struggle going on where maybe that plays out and the person that hired him ends up not owning the team anymore because um, that's still completely up in the air. And and how will Michelle Kang feel about this? I don't know. Um, that, that's a, a question that I don't have any insight to whatsoever. I haven't had a chance to speak with her at all. Um, and so I don't know how she's going to, if she's going to come in and be like, I have somebody else already in mind. Cause then that's kind of the same thing again, where it's not a hiring process. It's just, well, I already got someone, don't worry about it. Um, which the spirit don't need. They need hiring processes. I think that's fair to say when they're hiring for big jobs, they need to start doing a lengthy process and being upfront about how, look at how many people we're talking to uh, for this role, because, you know, th- if, if they didn't learn it before, I would hope that the last few days has taught them that aspect. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, broadly speaking, I'm really like, how is this going to play out? Because 
that's one thing he never dealt with. Uh, the ownership at DC United was generally like, there were factions, but it was more like, this is the faction that is, they have the money, but are not necessarily that interested. So they're just at a distance. Um, in this case, the controlling partner is obviously very interested. Um, if, if Steve Baldwin was not interested in this, I think he would have just been like, I don't feel like dealing with this. I'm going to go do something else. Um, Right. Yeah, he would have sold to Kang and then been like, "Okay, peace. I'm gonna go." Yeah, do... like, I, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go do whatever. Um, and instead, he's very clearly say what you will about the man, but he is very clearly interested in owning the spirit. He wants to be in charge of this team still. Um, at you know significant, uh, I don't want to say personal cost, but at, like being yelled at online at least. Uh, I don't know if that has any impact on him at all. But I mean, I find that whole power struggle really fascinating and not that we should reduce it to the academic level because it's clearly mm. it's probably impacting the players at some level, yeah. you know, regardless of how insulated they can be. And obviously the fans are being riled up where you've got stalwarts from Spirit Squadron being like, I don't know if I can make the effort for this team anymore like people yeah. have been watching this team for for years and years who might even go back to uh, wps days mm -hmm. um but uh, you know it is fascinating to watch especially given the post reporting where king was under the impression that baldwin was gun gonna yeah, sell this her. was settled right and then he publicly sees her on tv having wine with lisa baird after she's you know glamorously stopped in new york on her private jet to take her and they're gonna mm. go have a real summer with my sister's moment in the stance of bbva and then changes his mind and it's like well actually i don't and so i'm like is he interested in the spirit or is he interested in winning mm -hmm. uh, it's and it's it might be both um or it might just be not what you know not wanting to go out like that i don't know um right and I can only say that if he really is interested in the spirit, that I would hope that him and Kang as well would be able mm. to put their egos aside and figure out some kind of boardroom handshake. Maybe not a handshake because it appears they had a handshake before and then he mm. was like, handshakes don't count, psych. But, you know, some some agreement that lets them find some stability, long term yeah. stability. Um. All right. Well, before before we finish up, I did the, the one other thing I wanted to get into to sort of give, especially for the fans that are newer to the league, some level of context here um, about the, the history of like, this is a league, as we've kind of alluded to, that has had its debacles, uh, whether they are, you know, the first level debacle or like a true debacle. Um, you've obviously seen all of these things play out over the years. Um, where does this stack up for you? Where, where does the, like the last month and a half of Washington spirit uh, stack up for you in comparison to the many, many terrible and or comical and or darkly comical uh, bad outcomes that have happened in this league over the years? Let's say that the ultimate furt is league collapsing. Right. Mm -hmm. That is okay. that's if we're going on a scale of one to ten. And maybe this is going to have to be like a logarithmic scale, not a linear one, because if ten okay. is if one is everything's fine and ten is league collapses, then you're going to make some leaps from two to three <laughs> to four to five. Mm. And then maybe in the eighth nine is an actual club collapsing. So we're talking Boston Breakers, FC Kansas City, mm. Deloitte and the Utah Royals. Sad that there's that many examples. Yes. Um. And so something like this, we're coming down into the seven, six range, maybe on that scale. I mm. will say there was a period where literally every single day I had a new story of scandal for my wife. I was like, do you want to hear about the latest thing that happened, you know, with the yeah. Washington spirit? And she'd be like, yeah, tell me. I'd be like, okay, previously on the Washington spirit and then blah, 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 you know, and that's yeah. what you missed on Glee. And then would catch her up with this new power struggle of whatever, you know. And there's going to be more reporting, I think, in the days to come. I am not positive, but like I think the more Ben Olsen settles into the role and maybe the more that Baldwin and Kang fight. And if maybe even Lisa Baird can yeah. be like, let me poke my head in here and see, like, <laughs> you guys need anything? Yeah. God love you. Like, yeah. Especially because, you know, she is a commissioner is at the kind of employed by the other owners. Um and while the other owners have not made a like a public statement as to how they feel things are going at the spirit, I'm sure they're not feeling nothing. Uh, I'm sure that they have a position uh, individually. And so 
you know, are they pushing for something or are they just like, well, let's just like get it straightened out. However, it works itself out um, just to be less of a problem um, is, you know, we'll have to wait and see if they ever want to say anything. Um, I will say Merritt Paulson's uh, one of his tweets about the game was definitely like very terse and very much like the league is going to figure out what we're going to do about this at a later date, um, mm-hmm. which I guess, you know, out of character for him a little bit, um, normally not necessarily uh, willing to stop short of saying the full thing um, on, on Twitter. But uh, yeah, I, I do wonder, you know, is how, how much the league wants to get involved um, or if they're at the point where they're like, well, this isn't, you know, like you said, uh, you know, six or seven on this scale is still a little further away from a Deloy Hansen situation. Um, there's still a gap between those two things. Maybe they're like, this isn't, ha- this hasn't gotten to that point where we have to do something. Um, but also at the other hand, like if you're having the number of things that like the last episode was very long on this show because it was so much to get through. Um, and this, this is an episode where if we had more time, it could be like another hour of, of hashing the many, many things out. We've got a coach, let go cover up. Uh, abuse i yeah i was <laughs> writing a list of all the things to keep it straight chronologically and i just kept remembering more and more and more things to add to the list because mm-hmm. like even if you just start from like richie burke is moving to the front office he's being reassigned quote unquote and then post story drops and then it's like oh actually it's a very awful situation where he was abusing the players and then you know all the king stuff happens and then spirits start doing things to piss off some parts of their fan base like intellibridge and their mm-hmm. military appreciation night guest and they bring in anson dorrance and yeah. you know they they let go of Lindsay barons and the sell the team steve like this is what i mean every single day mm-hmm. like previously on washington spirit yeah, it's uh, I've seen some bad things like I, I tweeted this like I've seen some bad things pertaining to the local teams. Uh, the The first year uh, that I covered anything uh, soccer wise was that 2010 DC United season I mentioned before. And when I say worst ever, I do mean like maybe not worst record, but like the most inept team they've ever had. And that's where I started at. So I've seen a lot of bad things. And I'm like, I this is just such a whirlwind. Um, cause it's not one constant thing that keeps getting worse. It's like, here's the one thing that's getting worse. And now here's a different thing that's completely unrelated to it. Um, and now here's a different thing that's also from the other side of this completely unrelated. Um, it just, uh, it, it, it is a whirlwind that is ongoing. Uh, I feel like I, I don't feel like we're done. I, I will say on its face, sometimes they seem unrelated, but I do think a lot of this comes under the umbrella of like a general ecosystem that is not the healthiest at the moment Yeah. when it comes to not just NWSL, but women's soccer and some of the attitudes around who gets to work in this space and why. So, you know, the players um, and Megan Burke, the president of the NWSL PA have said reckoning multiple times. I'm sure eventually that's going to be a topic for you, for you either on the podcast or Black and Red United. It certainly will be for us. But mm-hmm. this is all just like uh, these little brush fires popping up that are all kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like where you're like, why is the weather wacky here? Why is the weather wacky here? And it's like the overall umbrella is climate right. change. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and so it feels like there's the same thing here where we have to acknowledge there's some kind of like climate change level issue going on in women's soccer. And we have to get to tackle the root of that in order to stop getting Richie Burke situations or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think that's a great point. And I think probably the best way to, to end this, uh, end this show, sorry to the listeners for it being a downer ending, but we are kind of in a not feel good moment with the spirit. Um, Steph, if you want to let people know if, if they're following this podcast or listening to this and they don't already follow you, I, I would be surprised, but where can they, follow you online get the, all the all the plugs that you need to give this is the chance oh it's just at thrace on twitter t-h-r-a-c-e i i think i the macedonian tourism board is actually pretty pissed at me for sitting on this handle <laughs> for so long um and then i write for the athletic and you can find my soccer writing work there and that's the show
thanking Steph for her time. Uh, and you should definitely be checking out her reporting at The Athletic. It's, it's pretty crucial. If you follow this league at all, you should be reading the stuff that she's doing over there, uh, as well as everyone else at The Athletic reporting on the league. You know where to find them. And Steph is at Thrace, as she said at the end of the show. This podcast, you can find on Twitter at Plexweather, all one word. Uh, you can find my tweets at Jason DC Soccer, again, all one word. The podcast website is plexweather.pinecast.co. You can find every episode of the show, including last week's. Last week's episode is the the by far the most listened to episode of this show ever done, which I'm immensely grateful for. Thank you to everyone for listening to that one, sharing it. Hopefully you'll continue to find the show uh, as enjoyable or at least as edifying as that one. I don't know if it's a lot of fun to talk about how the team that you care about enough to listen to a podcast uh, concerning it is having this many problems, but hopefully you find it uh, a big part of your uh, Washington spirit media consumption. Uh, I hope it keeps being worth it to everyone that's new to the show. Hopefully you enjoyed this one as well. There's some good stuff in the old ones if you want to, though obviously a lot of it is old news. The podcast can be found on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, probably some other podcasting services. The podcast website, since I'm doing this apparently out of order, does have a tip jar. If you want to financially support the show, there's a link for that uh, at the bottom of the podcast website, as well as in the Plexweather Twitter account bio. If you want to do that, it's greatly appreciated. Listening is also just fantastic. Seeing these listening numbers, like I said, from the last episode, pretty much it blew me away. So very awesome. Thank you to everyone for taking your time to care enough about the spirit to listen to a show that talks for an hour or so about the hopefully good news in the future, but currently not a lot of good news concerning the team. And on that note, I'm finally getting out of a show without too confusing of a, a ramble at the end. Thanks for listening. <laughs>